0: Book 2 chapter 10 of Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement 1608 to 1650 this librivox recording is in the public domain Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement 1608 to 1650 by William Bradford rendered into modern English by Harold Paget Book 2 chapter 10 mr allerton arrived safely in england and delivered the letters to their friends there acquainting them with his instructions he found them willing to join in the trading partnership and in the expense of sending over the leyden people some of whom had already left holland and were prepared to come over so they were sent off before mr allerton was ready to leave they took passage on the ships that came to salem which brought over many godly persons to begin the settlements and churches of christ there and in the bay of massachusetts so their friends here were rewarded for their long delay with double blessing in that they not only enjoyed them now when so recently all their hopes had seemed to be blasted but with them came other godly friends and christian brethren to plant a still larger harvest unto the lord for the increase of his churches and people in these parts it was to the astonishment of many, and almost to the wonder of the world, that from so small a beginning such great things should ensue, as in due time was manifested, and that there should be a resting place for so many of the Lord's people here, when so sharp a scourge had come upon their own nation. But it was the Lord's doing, and it ought to be marvellous in our eyes. I will here insert some of their friends' letters which best express their own attitude towards these proceedings two letters from james shirley in england to governor bradford at new plymouth sir with this there are many more of our friends from leyden coming over to you whose arrival though mostly a weak body is the fulfilment in part of our purpose so strongly opposed by some of the former adventurers but god has his working in these things which man cannot frustrate we have also sent some servants in the ship Talbot, that sailed lately, but the Leyden contingent come in the Mayflower. Mr. Beauchamp and myself, with Mr. Andrews and Mr. Hatherley, have, with your good will, joined your partnership, etc. May 25th, 1629. Your power of attorney has been received, and the goods have been sold by your friend and agent, Mr. Allerton, I having been in Holland nearly three months, at Amsterdam and in other parts of the Low Countries i see also the agreement you have made with the main body of the settlers and think you have done very well both for them for you and for your friends at leyden mr beauchamp mr andrews mr hatherley and myself so thoroughly approve of it that we are willing to join you and god directing us will assist you the best we possibly can indeed had you not taken this course i do not see how you could ever have accomplished the end originally aimed at we know it must cause further delay in realizing profits for most of those who we sent in may and those now sailing though honest and good people are not likely to be helpful at present indeed for some time they will be an expense to you and us had you not taken this wise and astute course the main body of your colonists would probably have grudged their coming again as you say well in your letter the burden being now on the shoulders of only a few, you will manage it the better, having no discontent or contradiction, but all lovingly joined together in affliction and counsel, so that God will no doubt bless and prosper your honest labors and endeavors. So in all respects I consider you have been marvelously discreet and well advised, and have no doubt it will give all parties satisfaction. I mean all who are reasonable and honest men, and make conscience of fulfilling their obligations to the uttermost, not with regard to their own private interests so much as the accomplishment of the good object for which this enterprise was first started thus desiring the lord to bless and prosper you and all yours and all your honest endeavours i rest your unfeigned and ever-loving friend james shirley london march eighth sixteen twenty nine i have mentioned here the coming of both these companies from leyden though they actually came at two different times the former party numbering thirty-five persons sailed in may and arrived here about august sixteen twenty nine the latter sailed at the beginning of march and arrived here the latter end of may sixteen thirty their expenses according to mr allerton's accounts came to above five hundred fifty pounds in addition to their transportations from salem and the bay where they and their goods were landed viz their transportation from holland to england and their expenses while there and their passages out here with clothing provided for them i find in the account for the one party one hundred twenty five yards of kersey one hundred twenty seven ells of linen sixty-six pairs of shoes with many other particulars the cost of the other party is reckoned by families some fifty pounds some forty pounds some thirty pounds more or less according to numbers etc besides all this expense their friends here had to provide corn and other provisions for them till they could reap a crop which was some time those that came in may had to be maintained upwards of sixteen to eighteen months the others proportionately all they could do in the meantime was to build houses and prepare land for planting next season the expenses of maintaining them all this time was little less than the former sum i make special note of this for various reasons first to show a rare example of brotherly love and christian care in performing their promises to their brethren secondly to prove that there was more than the work of man in these achievements thus successfully to have persuaded such able friends to join them in the enterprise and to stand by them so faithfully in the face of such risks most of them never having seen their faces to this day it must needs be therefore the special work of god thirdly that these poor people here in a wilderness should notwithstanding be able in time to repay all their engagements and others unjustly put upon them through unfaithful service besides other great losses which they sustained all of which will be related if the lord be pleased to give me life and time in the meantime i cannot help but wonder at his ways and works towards his servants and humbly desire to bless his holy name for his great mercies hitherto the Leiden people having come over, and several members of the general body of the settlers seeing how great the expense was likely to be, began to murmur at it, notwithstanding the burden lay on other men's shoulders, especially at paying the three bushels of corn a year, according to the agreement, but to satisfy them it was promised that if they could do without it they would not demand it of them, and it never was paid as will appear mr allerton's proceedings about the enlarging and confirming of the patents both at home and at kennebec are best explained in another letter of mr shirley's though much time and money was expended he left it unaccomplished this year and came without them james shirley in england to the new plymouth colony most worthy and loving friends some of your letters i received in july and some since through mr pierce but till our main business the patent was granted i could not settle my mind or pen to writing mr allerton was so turmoiled about it that i neither would nor could have undertaken it if i had been paid a thousand pounds but the lord so blessed his labors that he obtained the love and favor of important men of repute and position he got granted from the earl of warwick and sir ferdinand gorges all that mr winslow desired in his letters to me and more besides which i leave him to relate then he sued to the king to confirm their grant and to make you a corporation and so to enable you to make and execute laws as freely as the government of massachusetts this the king graciously granted referring it to the lord keeper to give order to the solicitor to draw it up if there were a precedent for it so the lord keeper furthered it all he could and also the solicitor but as festus said to paul with no small sum of money obtained i this freedom for by the way many riddles had to be solved and many locks must be opened with the silver nay the golden key then it came to the Lord Treasurer to have his warrant for making you custom free for a certain time, but he would not do it, and referred it to the council table. And there Mr. Allerton attended day by day, when they sat, but could not get his petition read, and as Mr. Pierce was waiting with all the passengers at Bristol, he was forced to leave the further prosecution of it to a solicitor. But there is no fear nor doubt but that it will be granted, for the chief of them are friendly, but he should certainly return by the first ship that comes for if you had this confirmed you would be in a position to govern with the power befitting your rank and the position god has called you to and to stop the mouths of the base and scurrilous individuals who are ready to question and threaten you in every action besides if you are freed of customs dues for seven years inward and twenty-one outward the expense of the patent will be soon covered and there is no doubt of ultimately obtaining it but such things must work by degrees, they cannot be hastened. So we, I write on behalf of all our partners here, beg you to urge Mr. Allerton to come, and his wife to spare him this one year more, to finish this important business, which will be so much for your good, and I hope for that of your posterity for many generations to come thus much of this letter it was dated march nineteenth sixteen twenty nine but the fact of the matter was as came out later it was mr allerton's object to have an opportunity to be sent over again for purposes of his own and with that idea he requested them to write thus the extension of the patent might easily have been finished omitting the clause about the customs which was mr allerton's and mr shirley's device it having passed the king's hand but covetousness never brings anything home as the proverb says and this opportunity being lost it was never accomplished though a great deal of money was vainly and lavishly expended on it but of this more in its place i almost omitted to mention that this year mr allerton gave them great and just offence by bringing over the unworthy morton who had been sent home only the year before for his misdemeanours he not only brought him over but into the very town as if to beard them and lodged him at his own house employing him as his secretary till he was forced to send him away so he returned to his old nest in massachusetts where it was not long before his misconduct gave them proper cause to apprehend him and he was again sent by them a prisoner to england where he lay a good time at exeter jail for besides his misdeeds here he was strongly suspected of the murder of a man who had ventured money with him when he first came to new england a warrant had been sent from the lord chief justice to apprehend him by virtue of which the governor of massachusetts sent him to england and as punishment for his misdemeanors there they demolished his house so that it might no longer be a roost for such unclean birds to nestle in but he got free again, and wrote an infamous and scurrilous book full of lies and slanders against many godly men of the country in high position, and of profane calumnies against their names and persons and the ways of God. After several years, when the war was at its height in England, he returned to the country, and was imprisoned at Boston, for the book and other things having grown old in wickedness as for the rest of mr allerton's instructions enjoining him not to exceed the fifty pounds worth of goods before mentioned nor to bring any but trading commodities he ignored them and brought over many other kinds of retail goods selling what he could by the way on his own account and delivering them the rest which he said were theirs of trading goods he brought scarcely any making excuses that they had expanded so much on the leyden people the patent etc as regards exceeding his instructions, he laid the responsibility on Mr. Shirley, etc. He promised that next year they should have whatever trading goods they sent for. In this way he put them off, and though Mr. Shirley had written somewhat bearing out his statements, he was probably overruled by Mr. Allerton to do so. The following is a still further extract from his former letter bearing on this. I see what you write in your letters concerning the paying of our debts, which I confess are great and need to be carefully watched, but let us not fulfill the proverb to spend a shilling on a purse and put sixpence in it, nor think by the expenditure of fifty pounds a year to raise means to pay our debts, you need to be well supplied and fully provided, and chiefly lovingly to agree.' this shows that there was a kind of concurrence between mr allerton and the adventurers in england about these things and that they had more regard for his opinion than for the advice sent from here this troubled them greatly here not knowing how to help it and being loath to make any breach another more private difficulty was that mr allerton had married the daughter of their reverend elder mr brewster who was beloved and honored by them taking great pains in dispensing and teaching the word of god to them and whom they were loath to grieve in any way so they bore with much for that reason again mr allerton procured such letters from mr shirley with such applause of his wisdom care and faithfulness that as things stood none seemed so fit to send as he besides though private gain i feel sure was one cause of mr allerton's doings i think or at least charity leads me to hope that he intended to deal faithfully with his partners here in the main but things fell out otherwise and missed their aim, and the settlement in general suffered considerably in consequence, as will appear. Along the same lines was another plan of Mr. Allerton's and his friends, unknown to the other partners here, until it was so far proceeded with that they felt obliged to sanction it and join with them, though they did not like it and mistrusted the outcome. It is explained in another extract from Mr. Shirley's letter as follows i wish to acquaint you that we had thought good to become partners in a separate venture with one edward ashley a man i think some of you know but it only concerns the place for which he has a patent in mr beauchamp's name for this purpose we have supplied him plentifully with provisions etc if you wish to join us as partners in this we are willing you should hearing how anxious bristol men were to join the enterprise and supply him expecting good profits we thought it important that we should not to miss such opportunity he on his side like a shrewd man thought it better to join with those who already had a settlement to back him there than with strangers it is not known that you are in the partnership but only we four mr andrews mr beauchamp myself and mr hatherley who entered upon it in view of the great loss we have already sustained in the first plantation there but as i said before if you wish to join with us we are willing you should mr allerton had no power from you to make this new contract nor was he willing to do anything without your consent mr william pierce joined with us because of landing ashley and his goods there he has a new boat with him and boards to make another with four or five strong fellows one of whom is a carpenter in case you are not willing to join us, fearing the expense and doubting the success, we beg you to afford him all the help you can, either with men, goods, or boats, and we will pay you for anything that he has. We wish you to keep the accounts separate, even if you join us, because there are partners in this enterprise who are not in the other. So charge him with the men's wages, boat hire, or goods, and anything you receive from him, charge to the colony.' And now, loving friends and partners, if you join in Ashley's project, we having found the money to stock this business and the other, it seems reasonable that you should bear your share of the stock, if not in money, by security to that amount. I hope in God, by his blessing and your honest endeavor, it may soon be paid, but the term of the partnership is not long, so it behoves us all to make the best use of the time that we possibly can, and let every one put his shoulder to the burden and it will be lighter. I know you will consider this carefully and return a satisfactory answer. None of us would have risked this except as a support to your own enterprise.' There is no likelihood of doing any good by attempting to buy the debts for the purchase of the old adventurer's shares. I know some would not forego their interest, so let it run its course. It is arranged they are to be paid yearly, and so I hope they will be, according to agreement. The Lord grant that our loves and affections may still be united and knit together, and so we rest your ever-loving friends. James Shirley, Timothy Hatherley, Bristol, March 19th, 1629. This matter of buying the debts of the purchase was part of Mr. Allerton's instructions, and in many instances it might have been done to advantage for ready cash, but Mr. Shirley disliked it. The Ashley enterprise troubled them much, for though he had ability enough to manage the business, he was known to be a very profane young man, and he had for some time lived among the Indians as a savage, naked like them, adopting their manners and customs, and in the meantime acquiring their language, so they feared he might not keep straight though he promised better things as soon as he landed at the place intended called penobscot some fourscore leagues from this place he wrote and afterwards came desiring to be supplied with wampum corn for the winter and other things they bethought them that these were their chief commodities, and would be continually needed by him, and it would thus be greatly to the prejudice of their own trade at Kennebec, if, though they did not join the partnership, they should still have to supply him. On the other hand, if they should both refuse to join the partnership and to supply him, they would greatly offend their friends in England, and might possibly lose them again ashley and mr allerton laying their crafty wits together might get supplies elsewhere and whether they joined in it or not they knew mr allerton would do so and then he would swim as it were between both to the prejudice of both but especially of themselves they had reason to think this scheme was chiefly of his contriving and ashley was a fit tool so to prevent worse mischief they resolved to enter the new partnership and gave him supplies of what they could and kept a watch on his doings as well as they could to do so more effectively they associated with him as an equal as it were and not merely as a servant a steady young man who had come from leyden and as he was discreet and could be trusted they were able to give him such instructions as kept ashley within bounds so they replied to their friends in england that they accepted their offer and joined with them in ashley's enterprise but told them what their fears were in regard to him when they had received full account of all the goods sent over to them that year they saw they were very short of trading goods and that ashley was far better supplied than themselves they were even forced to buy supplies from the fishermen and such things as cotton kersey and other cloth from mr allerton himself and so to dispose of a large part of their beaver at reduced rates over here instead of sending it home to help discharge their debts this vexed them greatly but mr allerton assured them that next year they should have whatever they wrote for their engagements for this year were large indeed when they came to know them which was not till two years after and were increased by mr allerton raising large sums at bristol at fifty per cent again which he insisted he was forced to do otherwise he could have got no goods transported by the fishing ships in the spring such was their ill will towards the trade of the colony but whether this was any more than an excuse some of them doubted however the burden lay on their shoulders and they must bear it as they did many other heavy loads before the end this necessity of paying fifty per cent and the difficulty of having their goods transported by the fishing ships early in the year during the best season for trade put them upon another project mr allerton after the fishing season was over secured a bargain in salt at a good fishing place and bought it it came to about one hundred thirteen pounds and shortly after he might have got thirty pounds clear profit for it without any trouble but mr winslow and some of the other partners coming that way from kennebec in the bark met mr allerton and persuaded him not to sell the salt but suggested keeping it for themselves and hiring a ship in the west country to come fishing for them on shares as was the custom her salt being here already and a dock built where it lay safely housed instead of bringing salt they might load her full of trading goods without paying freight and receive them in plenty of time which would be greatly to their advantage on arrival at New Plymouth this plan was discussed, and approved by all but the governor, who was against it, as they had always lost by fishing, but the rest were strongly in favor of it, believing that they might make good profits by the fishing, and even if they should only save a little, or actually lose something by it, the advantage of getting early supplies would be ample return. So he gave way, and it was referred to their friends in England to allow or disallow it, of this more in its place." Considering what had to be done about the patents and in what state it had been left, and owing to Mr. Shirley's earnest wish to have Mr. Allerton come over to finish it and complete the accounts, etc., it was decided to send him over again this year, though it was with some fear and jealousy. However, he made them fair promises to perform all their business according to their directions and to redeem his former errors so he was accordingly sent with full instructions and with long letters to mr shirley and the rest both about ashley's business and their own stating how essential it was that they be supplied with trading commodities what they had suffered through want of them and of what little use other goods were in comparison they fully explained about the fishing ship that was to be hired and loaded with trading goods to supply both them and ashley and the advantages to be gained it was left to their decision to hire and fit her out or not but under no circumstances to send one unless she were loaded with trading goods but what happened will appear in the account of next year's doings i almost omitted another occurrence at the beginning of this year a mr ralph smith and his wife and family had come over to the bay of massachusetts and lived at present with some straggling people at nantasket a boat from here putting in there on one occasion, he earnestly begged them to give him and his family passage to New Plymouth, with such effects as they could take he had heard that it was likely he might procure house-room here for some time till he might decide to settle here if permitted or elsewhere as god should dispose he was weary of being in that uncouth place and in such a poor house that it kept neither him nor his effects dry so as he was a grave man and they understood he had been a minister they brought him though they had no orders to do so he was kindly entertained here and housed and later he had the rest of his goods and servants sent for and exercised his gifts among them afterwards he was chosen to the ministry and remained there several years it was mentioned before that several of those who came from Leyden sailed in ships that went to salem where mr endicott had chief command diseases which had developed among the passengers at sea infected those ashore and many died some of scurvy others of an infectious fever which was amongst them for some time though our people through god's goodness escaped it whereupon mr endicott wrote for help understanding that one of them at new plymouth had some skill as a physician and had cured several of scurvy and others of various diseases by letting blood and other means so he sent to the governor here requesting him to send him to them the governor complied and wrote to him receiving a letter in reply this letter, though brief, shows the beginning of their acquaintance, and as a manifestation of the truth and of the ways of God, I thought it fitting and profitable to insert here. Gov. John Endicott at Salem to Gov. Bradford at New Plymouth Rightworthy, sir, it is an unusual thing that servants of one master and of the same household should be strangers. I assure you I do not desire it, nay, to speak more plainly, I cannot be so to you. God's people are all marked with one and the same mark, and sealed with one and the same seal, and have in the main one and the same heart, guided by one and the same spirit of truth and where this is there can be no discord nay there must needs be sweet harmony and so i pray the lord that we may as christian brethren be united with you by a heavenly and unfeigned love bending all our hearts and forces in furthering a work beyond our strength with reverence and fear and fastening our eyes always on him who is able to direct and prosper all our ways i am much beholden to you for your kind love and care in sending mr fuller among us and rejoice at what i hear from him of your attitude towards the outward form of god's worship it is as far as i can gather no other than is warranted by the evidence of truth and the same which i have maintained and professed ever since the lord in his mercy revealed himself unto me though very different from the common report of you that has been spread about. But God's children must look for no less here below, and it is the great mercy of God that He strengthens them to go through with it. I need not be tedious to you now, for, God willing, I purpose to see your face shortly. In the meantime I humbly take my leave of you, committing you to the Lord's blessed protection and rest. Your assured loving friend, John Indicott, Noamkeeg, May Eleventh, sixteen 1629 a second letter received this year shows the progress of their church affairs at salem which was the second church erected in these parts afterwards the lord established many more in several places charles got at salem to governor bradford at new plymouth sir I make bold to trouble you with a few lines to inform you how it has pleased God to deal with us since you heard from us, how, notwithstanding all the opposition here and elsewhere, it has pleased God to lay a foundation which I hope is agreeable to his word in every way. It pleased the Lord to move the heart of our governor to set apart July 10th as a solemn day of humiliation for the choice of a pastor and a teacher. The first part of the day was used for prayer and teaching, the latter part for the election which was held in this way the persons nominated who had been ministers in england were questioned concerning their calling they acknowledged there was a twofold calling the one an inward calling when the lord moved the heart of a man to take that calling upon him and fitted him with gifts for it the second an outward calling from the people when a body of believers joined together in covenant to walk in all the ways of god every male member having a free voice in the choice of the officers etc now we being satisfied that these two men were so qualified as the apostle tells timothy a bishop must be blameless sober apt to teach etc i think i may say as the eunuch said to philip what should hinder him from being baptized seeing there was water and he believed so these two servants of god giving full satisfaction by their answers and being thus fitted we saw no reason why we might not freely vote for their election mr skelton was chosen pastor and mr higginson teacher and they accepting the choice mr higginson with three or four of the gravest members of the church laid their hands on mr skelton with prayer after this there was imposition of hands on mr higginson since then thursday being as i take it the sixth of august has been appointed for another day of humiliation for the choice of elders and deacons and for ordaining them and now good sir i hope that you and the rest of god's people with you who are acquainted with the ways of god will say that herein a right foundation was laid and that these two blessed servants of the lord came in at the door and not at the window Thus I have made bold to trouble you with these few lines, desiring you to remember us, and so rest, at your service in what I may, Charles Gott, Salem, July thirtieth, sixteen twenty nine. End of book two, chapter ten.